talked about aliens. And there may be those of you who weren't here several weeks ago, and you'll be like, what is he doing? Well, just, I'm going to ask you to please be patient. Bear with me a second. We'll all explain it here in just a minute. And it'll all make sense. But to begin, I'd like to share with you a story. Now, just like the old police shows, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Actually, what I'm going to do is let the names out altogether. Because said persons could be with us today. And I wouldn't want them to be embarrassed. But there once was a young boy. Now, this young boy had loving, loving, loving parents. And he was a very blessed young man. In fact, not only did he have loving, loving, loving parents, he had loving, loving, loving grandparents who loved him very much and lived close by. And he was blessed when birthday times came, and he was blessed when Christmas time came, much probably like your children and grandchildren. And this boy received bountifully of gifts, much more so than his father or mother had, or even especially his grandmother or grandfather had. But there was a problem that began to develop. And it had to do with an understanding and appreciation of value. And mother and father began to become distressed when said young man didn't take care of the things that were given to him that were of great value. And so mother and father pulled him aside and had some talks with him, and and he nodded his head yes as if he understood, but I don't really know that he did, because there came a time when something that was really important, he broke it just out of abuse. And so when questioned, why would you do something like that, that, you know, that was a valuable gift given to you? His response was, well, that's okay. Grandma will just buy me another one. It's okay to laugh. I beat you guys up so much all the time, you think I'm being serious all the time. Well, I was serious when that happened. So, if that reveals anything to you. At that time, we had to have a talk. So, why do I bring this up with you this morning as my icebreaker, so to speak? Well, I decided that it wasn't appropriate necessarily to have pictures of aliens again. I didn't think that was important. That was kind of dumb last time. But I did want to finish First Peter. And uh, so, this is my opportunity to do so. Last time that we talked, we talked about the fact that Peter was writing to... Now, some of your Bibles in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, refer to them not as aliens, but as strangers or pilgrims. Another word for aliens. Essentially, the idea Peter is conveying is that these people are displaced. These people are not only geographically displaced, these people are spiritually displaced. They are children of God, and that's how they became aliens. They were chosen by God, and in order to mark them as being chosen by God, they were given the Holy Spirit of God, something which is a great privilege and a benefit in light of the fact that in the Old Testament, God gave His Holy Spirit to whom He chose to give it to and was 
able to rescind it if he wanted to. That's not something that's true of a New Testament believer. Now, we don't have time to talk about this today, but I can tell you factually from the Bible, look at Ephesians chapter 1 especially, you'll notice that Christians are sealed with the Holy Spirit and that it is a permanent seal unto the day of their ultimate salvation, which is their redemption into heaven. That's not something that was true of an Old Testament believer. In fact, King David even prayed after sinning with Bathsheba, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. These people are chosen by God and they're sealed permanently with this Holy Spirit. They're endowed with powers. We talked number three there. What unique powers do these aliens possess? They possess light in their life. They possess direction in their life. These are things they never had before. They possess the power for the first time in their life to actually have victory over sin. This is something they could not do before. James called it the law of liberty. The liberty not to sin. The liberty to choose for the first time in your life. And we talked about the benefits of being an alien. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we talked about the fact that we have a living hope. There's a hymn we sang this morning in the first service. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. For I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Man, that's powerful stuff. You know, it tells us in the Revelation, chapter 13, that Satan stands before the Lord accusing the brethren daily. You know that thing you thought yesterday? You know that thing you did yesterday? You know that thing you're thinking about doing? Satan's up there saying, hey, do you see that, God? In fact, if you don't believe that, go read the book of Job because it all starts with Satan appearing before God saying, you know, God says, where have you been? He says, out roaming about the earth. Well, he's watching and he's got his minions that watch you. They report in. I don't know what kind of system of communication they got, but it's better than anything we got. Even the internet. And so God says, well, have you seen my servant Job? Well, yeah, I guess I have. He says, well, he is the most righteous man on earth. Satan says, hey. He says, touch him. He'll curse your name. God says, no, I don't think so. He says, do to him what you want. Just don't take his life. You think, oh, man, here's the most righteous guy on earth. Now, this is leading up to what I want to say today. There's the most righteous guy on earth. God's letting Satan have his way with him. God, that's not fair. Doesn't my righteous life, doesn't my ability, desire to serve you, protect me from tribulation, distress, and trials? Come on, let's talk about fair. And we'll talk about all that in a minute. But God said, no, just go ahead and have your way with him. But he won't curse God. Now, Job didn't curse God, but Job did make some mistakes along the way. Job questioned God's wisdom and he questioned God's fairness and everything that we do. And so in the end, God met with Job, and they had a one-on-one, and Job said, I repent, and I shut my mouth. And that is what we will do someday when we stand before the Lord, kneel before the Lord, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I'm going to take a minute here, just a minute, to talk to you today who think I'm nuts, who think I am some idiot up here spewing words, Talking about spirits and devils and heaven and hell and power. I'm going to talk to you right now. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, 
and you have no clue what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and you have no appreciation for that, and to you it's just facts, then I'm going to ask you to listen closely today. I'm going to ask you to examine your life and think about the sin that's in your life. Think about the things that you've done wrong to people. Think about the things that you've done to maybe offend God. And say to yourself, what do I have to answer for that when I stand before the Lord? Because I'm going to tell you, everybody, something. Some going to come a day, you're going to die, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ, and He's going to say, why should I let you in? And you're going to tell him, because I did this and I did that. And he's going to say, depart from me, evil servant, I never knew you. Read Matthew chapter 24, it's there. But when you say to him, because of the blood you shed on my behalf on the cross, you died in my place, and I trust you for that. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. You answer that, you're going in. That's what we'll say about that. So we have many benefits as a Christian. We have, in verse 4, an inheritance which is imperishable. And we, verse four is, we, uh, in verse 5, we have the fact that we are protected by the power of God through faith. Now that's what we talked about last time. And it's such a great salvation. But what I want to say is this. 1 Peter chapter 6, verse 25, picks up with the story I told. And that is the fact that where there is great privilege, there is also great... First service did this really good. You can talk. I know you can. I've heard you. Where there is great privilege, there is also great... Thank you. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You see... The child that received all these gifts and all these benefits and all these privileges had a responsibility to protect and to care and to appreciate. Oh, and by the way, said child, as far as I know, rumor has it, has done such things now in his life. He's, he's okay. It's not the same person that he was. Just in case you were worrying. We have a responsibility, and the fact of the matter is there's going to be testing and trials in our life, Job. And God is going to decide when they come, and it's not going to be up to you to decide whether it's fair or not. They're coming, or they're here, or they've been here. Let's read verses 6 through 12. In this, that's that great salvation, folks, we just talked about. In this, this great salvation, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you... In these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. 
When we look at testings and trials in verses 6 and 7, what we see there is we see that we have not seen him. And the Old Testament saints didn't either. They looked forward to a Messiah who would come. And do you know it was the same faith that looked forward to the Messiah that would come, that saved them, as it is the same faith over here that you as a believer look back in faith on a Messiah who has come. You know the first time I learned that, a light bulb went on in my head? And I thought, well, the Old Testament law then was never really something that could be fully complied with. How did they get saved if they couldn't keep the law? They're constantly bringing sacrifices, slitting their throats. It's an ugly picture of sin. And the priests are constantly working day in, day out with all these people bringing all these dead animals, well, live animals that became dead because of their sin. How could there ever be an answer? How could you kill that many animals? I sin probably 20 times a day. And so do you. Just one tiny... Bad thought about a person, about a thing. How could they possibly be saved? Because, and I'll prove this in a minute, they looked forward to a Messiah. Adam was told that because of the seed of the woman, a Messiah would come who would crush the head of the serpent. Genesis chapter 3. He looked forward to a Messiah. Even Adam, the first man of Abraham, it says in Genesis 15, 6, and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned unto him as, oh. And Abraham worked for God really hard and did good things. And so it was reckoned unto him as filthy rags, Isaiah says. Isaiah says that all of our works are as a filthy rag. We can do nothing in and of ourselves to please God, only through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is only available through faith in Jesus Christ, which is only available through looking back on a Messiah who has come and died in our place. Testings and trials. Even though for now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, in that the proof of your faith, In your trials and tribulations, you look back on this Messiah, you recognize the power of the Holy Spirit that's come within you, you seek to glorify this one, which is appreciation, care, and appreciation. Well, I think I said that. There's another word I want, and I can't think of it. But it is the exact same thing that the child has for the toy. Will used a great illustration this morning. Will said, think of yourself sitting at an orchestra, a symphony orchestra, Which I did just, by the way, on the 4th of July. It was awesome. The Harrisburg Symphony Orchestra over at uh, LBC. And you know, when they were done, every song, people just clapped and clapped and clapped. And Will said, you know, the bottom line is, what are you trying to do with your clapping? Are you trying to say, like, "This, this, this pays for all your education. This pays for all your practice. You know? You can't do that. You can't ever earn all the time and effort and money they spent to be able to bring that to you in one night, all you can do is sit there and say, praise God, praise God. I appreciate what you've done. It's just, you can't pay them back. It's impossible. And in your trials and tribulations, what can you do? You can look back on the Messiah and trust the power of the Holy Spirit and know that the power that he saved you by is the power he can give you to live by through the trials and tribulations. It's not fair. 
No, I agree with you. It's not fair. I've gone through things in my life that were not fair. And I guess you can tell from my attitude I'm a little bitter about them. Well, that's my sin. But it's yours too. If we have a proper attitude, we can do it without sin. Recognizing that God is working through us and in us under His power and under His glory. Listen to the next verse. Excuse me, I wanted to finish this one. It says here that even though for a little while you've been distressed by various trials, but it says the proof of your faith results in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that's what revelation means? It is a revealing. Jesus is coming again. We're going to be raptured up with him, 1 Thessalonians 4. And when we appear before him, there's the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3. And when you appear before him, I'm, I'm telling you, your life is going to like, there's your life before you. It's going to happen. And the Bible says that all of your works that were wood, hand, stubble, that were done in sin or were done for your own benefit and your own pleasure, they're going to be wood, hay, and stubble. And then all the things that you did for the sake of Jesus Christ unto his honor and his glory and his praise, these things are gold and silver and precious stones. And they're all going to be put on an altar, so to speak. Or the foundation, which is Christ. And they're going to be subject to fire. Guess which ones are going to last? Everything that you did for Jesus Christ, for God, in His name. That's what's going to last. All this stuff over here, the sin, the pride, the selfishness, the materialism, the humanism. That's all going to get burned up. And everything that you did for God is going to result in glory, praise, and honor unto you. That's what the verse says. The proof of your faith is going to result in praise and glory and honor. Did I say it right? Praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When you stand before him, he is going to praise you for those things that were the proof of your faith. Now you say, but... When I get my crown, crown of life, crown of joy, whatever it is, what am I going to do with that? Well, 1 Corinthians 3 does tell us that we lay them at his feet. In Revelation chapter 4, I believe it is, you see them doing that. The 24 elders take the crowns and lay them at the feet of the Lamb. Folks, your trials, your distresses, your problems give you a chance to glorify Jesus Christ. And you have got to look at them that way. You have a responsibility because of the great privilege that you have to honor, appreciate, and there it is, take care of that which has been entrusted to you. Do you know what the Apostle Paul said? He said that his desire is to fulfill that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And when I first heard that verse, it blew me away. I had been preached to, preached to, preached to. You're saved by grace, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. And here's the great Apostle Paul saying that it's his desire to fulfill that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. What? You're telling me Christ didn't suffer enough? You're telling me that he didn't do a good enough job, Paul, that you need to help him out? Is that what you're saying? Some of you out there are thinking like, yeah, that's what it sounds like. So, Craig, I hope you have a good explanation because that sounds like heresy. Well, if you read all of Paul's other writings, he doesn't talk dumb the man's brilliant. The man was filled with the Spirit of God and he spoke great truth. And it all agrees. Therefore, if I'm misreading the passage, 
That must be what it is because apparently it means something else. Well, let me tell you exactly what it means. It means exactly what we're talking about. Paul said prior to that in context that his desire is to count all earthly things as rubbish, that he might know Christ, that he might be able to complete that for which he was, that he might be able to lay hold of that for which he was laid hold of. Paul says that I march onward, I box my body, I beat it into submission. These are all things that require trial, tribulation, suffering, and pain. I want to tell you what, when, when somebody went in the ring to face Mike Tyson, now that's still a name everybody recognizes, right? Joe Lewis, I'll throw a couple other names in there from other generations. Muhammad Ali, when you got in the ring to fight that guy, you didn't go in after eating a bag of Cheetos and watching TV for three months. That's not how you faced them. And God knows that we need spiritual training and discipline in our life. And folks, there's only one way it comes. It comes through pain. No pain, no gain. It's so true. And what Paul is saying is that Christ showed us the pattern of sufferings and glories. I need to move on. I talked about this one. Though you've not seen him, you love him. We look back. They looked forward. Suffering and glory. The prophets talked about the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. That's what Paul's talking about. You know, I talked about the kid getting gifts. Every one of us, you know, oh, it's my birthday. Maybe somebody's going to send me a card. Somebody's going to tell me they appreciate me. Somebody might even send me money. Someone might send me a gift certificate to the Outback. Woohoo! We love the glories. We have an entitlement mentality. And I want to tell you, folks, politics aside, I'll make a political comment. That's what's got this country in a deep heap of trouble right now. Everybody is owed something. You owe me. Why? The Bible doesn't talk about anything being owed to you. You deserve nothing. You deserve death. And the only thing that's given to you is out of grace. And it's a mindset that you need to have in response to that grace that controls your Christian life. And if you control your Christian life by a matter of humanistic thinking, you will live like the world and you will not honor Christ and you will develop a bunch of wood, hay, and stubble that's going to go. And you'll be left a smoking heap with nothing to throw at Christ's feet. 1 Corinthians 3 says, oh, you're going to be saved because foundation's Christ. But truly, do you want to stand there before Christ while everybody else is laying their presence at his feet? And you're kind of like, Is that what you want? I don't want that. I want to have one. I want to have two. I want to have maybe three. I want to have as many crowns as I can lay at his feet. Because if I didn't, I I couldn't even have the crowns if I wasn't, I, I couldn't even be there if it wasn't for him. I think that's what it meant. Another responsibility is service. Look at verse 12 talking about the prophets who spoke of the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. That's the pattern, folks. Suffering first, glory later. I hate to tell you this, but we're in suffering land right now. We're not in glory land. So if you'd have the mindset that we're in glory land right now, you've got a bad mindset. You need to expect that this is suffering land. This is suffering land. Listen, I've got a couple extra minutes because there's no special music, so I'm going to take advantage of it. I was at fellow heirs concert last night, the, the Garden Chapel Band. They played at a coffee house. 
and it was awesome. It was like being at church for two hours just listening to them play music. It was awesome. And about an hour into it, you know, I'm all, I'm all praise, pumped up, praised up, you know. It, it's awesome. And all of a sudden, right prior to them deciding to start to play another song, I don't know, what, 10, 15, 20 bikers came. I mean, bikers, folks. You know, the bandanas and the jean jackets and the insignias and the tattoos and the beards and pretty tough-looking characters. And I don't mean to be prejudiced, but I, I, I mean, we all know the connotation that at least the movies give to us. And I'm thinking to myself, this was advertised. This could get ugly. This could get ugly just because it's going to be fun for them to bust things up here. How are we as Christians going to respond here? Now, God had other plans. I don't know if there was a hedge of protection or if they just wanted to be left alone. I don't know. They went around the back of the coffee shop and we didn't hear from them again until they left when we left. So, you know, there you go. Self-righteousness. What what can I say? Judgmental, right? Did I get up and go around back and witness to them? I'll be honest with you, I didn't because I thought they would maybe kill me. I don't know. If I could have got to talk to one of them one-on-one, I'd have been ecstatic. That would have been great. But, you know, it's our mindset that controls how we act and how we live. So did I do the right thing or did I do the wrong thing? They didn't hurt anybody. You be the judge. But it happens in your life, too. And I'm asking you to try, for the sake of Jesus Christ, to put him first in all things. Because otherwise, it's wood, hay, and stubble. Now, these prophets that spoke of the sufferings of Christ and the glories to come, look what it says in verse 12. It says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves. Let's stop a second. What does that mean? Basically, what we have here is an Old Testament person who was a prophet, which means the Spirit of God came upon him, and he spoke forth what God told him he must speak, and only that. And then the Spirit of God left him with a parting thought. And it was, do you know how you got to speak in front of all those people? And this is what the Spirit reminds me of all the time when I'm up here speaking to you. This is not about you. Yeah, you get an heir to all these faces. You get to talk to all these minds. You get this presence out in front of everybody. You get the light, the spotlight, the show. It's you, baby. Everybody's listening to you. And the Spirit reminded him right before he left. He said, this wasn't about you. You're not serving yourself here. This is for my son. You tell him about my son. You tell him who he is. You tell him what he's going to do. You tell him how it's going to be in the end. You tell him how I'm going to justify him. You tell him how I'm going to bring wrath upon wickedness in this world. This isn't about you. Don't even make it about you. That's what that says. What I want to carry over to this to you is that's what it says to you. That's what it says to you. Because your pride is no different than my pride. Your pride will manifest itself in a different way than my pride. Before I got saved, I was a, I don't know, wasn't happy with who I was as I look back on it. And I'm a different man today. But you know, some of you can say the same thing. I think it's some of you youth. You know, you grew up in Christian homes and Christian families. But there came a time when you made Christ personal for yourself and it was a life-changing experience. 
And that happens to everybody. There comes a time when Christ makes a demand on your life and you just got to decide what you're going to do. And when you do, he reminds you, this isn't about you. Notice at the end of the verse, it says these things the prophet spoke of that are things that the angels long to look into. That means in the current context, even today, even today, folks, the salvation we have, this great salvation, it says there are angels in heaven that look and go, I don't understand. How can this be? I know that Charlie, the angel across the street, he sinned a long time ago, and he's in a bottomless pit in hell, in dark. He can't even see. And there's no redemption for him. That's it. He's there till he's thrown in the lake of fire. And their boss is Satan, and he's a terrible boss. They followed him, and he treats them all bad. And there's no redemption for these guys. What do you think, Fred? What about Charlie the angel? Fred goes, man, dude, I don't know, but these people, these humans that are less than us, God redeems them. He sent his son to die for them. Dude, I don't know. All I know is I'm obeying God. And the righteous angels do. Because they know there's no hope. You. You. Why does God, why is, David says, why art thou mindful of of man? Who is man that thou art mindful of him, he says. We have the ability to be saved. Unlike angels who are superior to us. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, when grandma gives me the toy, I'm not going to break it. I've gotten a gift that is beyond Worth. And I'm going to live that way like this. Just thank you. I can't pay you back. I can't do anything to earn my salvation. I can't do anything to be right in your eyes other than thank you for what you did. So if you're here this morning, you've not trusted Christ. You know where your end is. You know what to do. Now you have to do it. Because I can't do it for you. I can't go out there and, you know, open your head up and pour in John 3.16. I can't do it. Nobody did it for me. The night I got saved, the Holy Spirit pounded on my soul so hard I thought I was going to die. But I wouldn't get saved in front of people. I wasn't going to tell them that I was going to get to, that I trusted Christ. That I was going to, I'd wait because I had too much pride. I didn't want anybody to see that I was a sinner. Now I tell you because I don't care. I, I am, I'm a sinner. I'm a terrible person. But i got a Savior that loves me and saved me and is going to redeem me and make me perfect one day and take away this flesh and all this sin and I'm going to live with Him forever in a city that's a triangle that's 1,500 miles in every direction. And it is going to be composed of bricks that are made out of the saints. I don't even understand that. But that's where the light of God's going to dwell. There'll be no sun and no moon. And for all eternity, the river of life is going to flow from there and the light of God is going to shine from there. And the Bible says in Revelation that no wicked or evil person will ever pass therein. The book of Revelation, by the way, wasn't written to you believers so that you would have a thrill novel or a mystery novel or a prophetic novel that you could enjoy for your own pleasure. It was written for Christians so that we would have a burden to take the gospel to a lost people. 
And it was written for a lost people because in the beginning it says, those who hear, see and hear and pay attention will be blessed. That means if you read the book of Revelation, you're going to recognize your sin. You're going to recognize that this Jesus it talks about in chapter 1 is the only way you're going to get an answer for that. And that is my encouragement to you this morning. If you don't know Christ, you need to trust him if you want out of the pit and the lake of fire which is to come. Let's talk about some other things. We have a responsibility because it's such a great privilege that we have. Let's move on to alien attitudes. This is alien attitude. Oh. See, now I got so heavy there that nobody wanted to laugh at my funny little joke. Thanks, Lindsay. I appreciate it. That's not alien attitude. This is alien attitude. Believers need to be focused. We're going to read verse 13 through the end of the chapter. And we're going to pray that in the next seven or eight minutes we get done. Verse 13, therefore. Therefore what? Therefore, in light of the benefits and responsibility that we have. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in the spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy because I am holy. If you address the Father as the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during your time of stay on the earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Since you have an obedience to the truth, purify, this is the believers, since you have an obedience to the truth, purified yourself for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart so that you have been, for you have been born again, not of the seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all the glory is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you, Peter says. My wife tells me, don't talk too fast. It is a bad habit I have. But I want to get done, and I think if I talk fast, but then nobody gets it anyway. So somebody yell at me if you think I'm talking too fast. In Ephesians chapter 5, concerning the word being focused here, prepare your minds for action. Verse 17 talks about, do not be foolish, but understand what the word of the Lord is. That's Ephesians 5.17 for those of you taking notes. It tells us to keep sober in the spirit. Verse 18 of Ephesians 5 says, be filled with the spirit. Verse 20 of Ephesians 5 says, be thankful in all things as a result of knowing God's grace. We need to be focused. We need to be morally wrong way. We need to be morally obedient. First Peter verse one, chapter 1, verse 14 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in ignorance. We can no longer claim ignorance. You know, when you've got kids and they let the back door open, and you say, please don't do that again, it lets the bugs in. Next time the kid lets the door open, do you say, please don't let the door, you shouldn't, you shouldn't coddle them like that. You don't tell them, please don't let the door open to let the bugs in. You say, you know what? There's consequences for what you just did because you knew. I told you. 
for young people, proper parenting skills, that's all. Just letting you know. Okay. We need to be holy. Verse 15, 16 says, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Let our devotion to Christ be boldly evident. The Father is blessed and exalted when His Son is honored. And it's a natural desire of a boy and a girl to emulate mommy or daddy. At least you would hope that would be the case. We need to be reverent. The Bible says that God impartially judges according to each one's work. We talked about that earlier, didn't we? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, conduct yourselves in fear during your time of stay on the earth. And you know, that's where Job got out of line. Job lost the fear of God. He started calling God on the carpet. And God says, you don't call me on the carpet. Just think if your kid calls you in and says, Dad, I want to dress you down here. I want to tell you where you're wrong and straighten you out. Because you know what? You've got a lot to learn. You know, I've got a real problem with that. But that's what we do. Now, verse 20 tells us the reason for our reverence. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. There's no way you're going to dress down somebody that was born before you. Somebody that is more mature, more wise, more strong, more powerful, more infinite, and more glory. It says that he died for the sake of us. That blows me away. I think of the Casting Crown song, not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. Folks, that's reason for reverence. We need to be humble. Peter says we're to love each other fervently from the heart. I want to talk about something for a minute. Because some of you may be here from another church. Some of you may be here because you like Garden Chapel. And some of you may be thinking about going to another church. Well, I want to ask you why that is. When someone comes here from another church and says, we found Garden Chapel, I strongly encourage that person. Did you leave anything behind? Did you talk to the person that offended you? Did you try to resolve it? To the best of your knowledge, what Paul says... Be at peace with all men as far as it depends on you. Have you done that? Or did you just say, like, you know what? This stinks. I'm out of here. Because if you left like that, how can you worship here? How can you worship here? And if you leave here like that, how can you worship there? Because you know what you're telling the world, folks, when the revolving door starts turning? Your testimony this responsibility you have, your testimony. You know what you're telling the world? This doesn't work, guys. This, this forgiveness stuff, it's all just a social club. And we just get together, you know, we like each other, we eat food and talk, and, you know, it's a great big party. It's kind of like the Kiwanis and the Lions Club. You know, it's kind of like that. You know, if you guys want to come, it'd be great. But, you know, if you don't, that's cool. Because that's what you're telling them. You're telling them that this doesn't work. You're telling them that Christ died for nothing. Is that what you want to share? I'm only asking. My wife has this thing. Just saying. Sorry, Donna. We need to be loving. You know, why did I say that we need to be loving with that verse? Because if you try to love in your own power, you can't do it. Listen, there are people in this church, my family included, who think I'm a little different. You know, Craig, he's a little different. My wife will say, like, I never know what you're going to say up there. Anything can come out of your mouth. 
I'm like, honey, come on, give me some credit. You think I'd have said that? Yes. So there's people that think I'm different. You know what? I'm okay with that. Christ loves me. And I'm happy with who I am. And I don't have to please you. I need to please him. Now, if I offend you, please, by all means, come and tell me. You think I'm an arrogant idiot? Then I want you to come tell me that, please. Okay? Do you know what? I think there's some of you that are a little different. (laughs) But you know what? If we try to love each other humanly, it's not going to happen. It's going to be the Kiwanis Club and the Lions Club and the auxiliary and all that. You've got to have the power of Christ to love people. You've got to have the power of Christ to, listen, to want to love people. How about it? Got any kids that are unlovable? Do you love them? That's the power of Christ. It's the power of Christ that leads us to want to witness to people and share our Savior. Because it's not about, I don't want to go tell, I don't want to go witness to a biker. Come on, man. But you know what? If God puts that in front of me and absolutely says, you're doing this right now, I will do it. My wife's like, yeah, he would. Because it's about him. All flesh is like grass and the flower of the field, and it falls off, and it dies, and it withers, and it's burned up, and it's around no more. That's you in your flesh. You and your spirit are eternal. You're an eternal flower that lasts forever. And it is only that that can do good for Christ. And that's what I want to share with you today. We have awesome, awesome benefits, but we have great responsibility And there are ways that we must carry these things out. We need to be focused, morally obedient, holy, reverent, humble, and loving, folks, if you're going to have a fulfillment of the responsibility that Christ has given you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time we had together this morning. Thank you for your love and thank you for your patience. Father, we, we, I'll tell you what, people deserving of wrath. And we don't know why you love us like you do. We don't know why you sent your son who was holy and righteous to die for for, for such wretched sinners. But, Father, you do, and I pray that we would take that serious in our life, that others might know Christ and know that Christianity does work, and it is powerful, and it changes lives. And, Father, I'm going to pray last of all this morning for those who don't know what I'm talking about this morning and who are puzzled and who are convicted in spirit. You're calling them, Father but yet you're letting them choose, just like you let us choose. I'm praying, Father, this morning that they choose right. I pray they choose Christ. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed. Lord be with you.